Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Welcome back to the wonderful world of wine. Every week, Kim and I are here to talk wine with you. And how are you today, Kim? I'm well. Thanks, Mark. Doing uh, doing pretty good. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's always good to talk wine with our listeners. And uh, we have a few stories we like to talk about wine education, which we love, Kim, right? That's our thing. Uh, there was two articles. One was about wine certification courses, and the other one was about online wine education. So where would you like to start, Kim? I always like to see where you like to go first. Yeah, you know, I like these two articles together because they're a good juxtaposition. There's one that is more focusing on certifications for folks in the wine industry, but that doesn't mean that you as wine enthusiast who maybe doesn't have a day job in wine, but you still are you know, really fascinated by the topic, can't do or can't experience. They're just more geared towards professionals. And these are uh, certifications that are recognized within our industry. So if you do these certification courses and you can put a little post-nominal after your name, um, they're actually very, very valuable if you're trying to get a wine job. Uh, I have a couple of them. Mark has way more than me. <laughs> you keep getting these certifications and they're, you know, they're thorough and they teach you a lot and they really keep you top of your game if wine is your focus. And mm -hmm. then there's this other list, which I think is really excellent because they are not geared towards the likes of myself, but they're more geared towards you. The person who is really interested in wine and wants to learn a little bit more and maybe right now you have the time and you have the resources to do an online course. And these are great because the formats are all different. You know, there are some of them that are more like an actual online class and other ones are just videos that you can watch at your leisure. Others are podcasts. So there's, you know, there's all sorts of things for whatever your learning style and, you know, what you want to get out of them. And this is good timing for, for this topic, Kim, because... We had a listener question that asked, where can I start? I want, to, I want to take a course. Where can I start? And these wine certification courses are probably not where you'd want to start, you know, getting these certifications. You want to probably get, if you had no wine background, you want to start with maybe these online education introductory courses and then work your way up to the certification courses because you need to have a little background in the wine world before you tackle those. So. Right. That was kind of the advice. And years ago, when I first started getting into wine, I did the International Sommelier Guild for my basic wine skills. And you did WSET, right? Was I did WSET when I was starting. Yeah. So, and that, and that has like levels. 20 years ago now. So. And you have to start at a basic, basic course before you, you focus on these individual certifications. So the Wine Scholar Guild, we both did French studies, but we had the basic background stuff first. So right. to our listeners, be careful what you tackle. There's a lot out there and there's a lot of free stuff out there. So you don't have to necessarily pay big money. I mean, the, the WSET and the, the Sommelier Guild is, is expensive courses to take. So if you don't have that money, there's a ton of free ones out there. And they listed a few of the free ones, Kim, which I actually tackled a couple of them because I always love to get material for when we teach. Mm -hmm. Did you see that list about the free online education courses? Yeah. 
So there's one which immediately I was like, oh, that could be interesting, which is the one out of UC Davis. So it was a Coursera course, 18 hours, which is, that's a, that's a long course. That's a big course. And what was nice about some of these is that you could take them for free if you wanted to just audit the course and just learn for the sake of learning. But then if you were doing it as an actual certification, then it did have a tuition fee associated with it. Was this the one that you took? I did. Ah, I did. I took the David. wine sensory because, you know, I just finished it's the geeky thing in me. Came. When all this was happening, I took an online Cornell beer class, which is very unusual for me. And then I took this class. So now I have Cornell and UC Davis in my back. Those are our top two in the U.S., right? so you got them covered. See? But this was really a really good course. It was about a lot about food and wine pairing, about wine tasting. It had a lot of good tests you can do about you know, how to build your palate up for wine. And, and I have to keep up with you and food. So I'm always looking for the, the food pairing stuff. So okay. it, in, it to, when you pay for the certification, you have to write a paper and it's peer reviewed. So that was something new to me because I had to peer review mm-hmm. two other classmates before I got my degree or certification. So it was like you're in grad school. Yeah, <laughs> which was a big step for me. So, but it, very good course. I highly recommend it. Another free one that was on there, Kim, that it, it excited me to take, and then I got disappointed at the end was the free version of the Aldi diploma, wine diploma. Did you see that? I did. They had this, it, it, what the master psalm runs it. It was like, take this wine course with Aldi, get an Aldi diploma. I'd say, wow, I have this UK diploma in wine. No, Aldi's a whole, grocery store chain, right? Yeah, but they have, okay. you know, great wine department. So went through the whole thing online. Very, for, for, for us, it was very basic, but a lot of good background material, main grapes, main regions, blah, blah, blah. Get to the end. It says all during the course, the psalm is saying, you remember this for the test. You're going to need to know this for the test. You get to the end. There's no test. There was no test. So I put all this time in. I'm like, where's the test? I wrote Aldi. I wrote the psalm. There was no test. And you were all upset that there was no I was test. bombing. I was bombing. I wanted this Aldi diploma because the <laughs> whole thing is saying Aldi diploma the whole time. <laughs> That's how geeky I am. But you're, you're the Hermione Granger of the wine world. You're disappointed I, that there was I no think, final. Yeah. Exam. I think they were doing it for employee training and yeah. then they just put it out there. But it's free. Yeah, I it's would look free. it up. It's, it's really, really, really good. And I, there were two other free and just like the UC Davis, the, this is one you have to do being the bubbly queen the champagne society in france has an online class i saw that i actually think i'm 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 thinking about it because i haven't ever done anything that is champagne focused and i really wanted to because people ask me all the time you know do you have an area of expertise and kind of like well no not really i you know my areas of expertise if i had to pick one would be french in general i'm like but i really love the bubbles so I, I feel like now is a good time for me to do a little bit more focused study <laughs> on on, on all those bubbles in that wine. So yeah, now might be the time to do a, a champagne certification. It wasn't really structured, like really organized, a lot of good material, a lot of interesting new things I learned that you have to take it now so we can compare okay. what kind of what you didn't know or what we didn't know. You knew it all already. I'm just scared I, about all of the like memorizing of uh, aging requirements and village village sites and, and that kind yeah. of stuff. But if, you know what? If I could do it for Fran- all of France, I, I can do it for Champagne. 
they broke it up into modules. So you had to pass each module to get to the next module. And then uh-huh. the, the final exam was basically all the, the modules combined. And mm-hmm. There was a lot of history stuff that it was hard for me with certain dates and stuff like that. Okay, but, that stuff I'm good at. So See, so you got to do it. So well, I, thank you I, for that idea. I did that one all during the, the COVID situation. I did that. And then also now the Rioja in Spain, they have an online free version and they have a trade version and they have a certification version. So that's the next thing on the list. We got to do And that it. might be a good one to do now because they are revamping all of their rules and they are adding a lot of new things to the uh, Rioja appellations. So now might be a good time to, to get in on those. You'll know more than anybody else. There was one on the list for free. It was uh, the University in Australia. Did yeah, so the University of Adelaide. Yep. So was, I, was I, that think a basic? Be, I think that was a basic one, and it focused on wine styles, wine grapes. I think a little bit of history, but I, I actually think that this would be a very interesting one because often when we do these wine education courses, they're either based uh, in England, so they have a little bit of a British bent to them, or they are US-based. And I've never done anything uh, based out of Australia. So I think that this might be just an exciting thing to do for something with a different spin on it. So that could be something that that might teach us some things that we had never learned before just because they're not a US or a UK focus, but maybe have an Australia focus. So that would be, that would be cool. Yeah. There's been so many, I've seen so many newer programs pop up with all this virtual tasting being popular. The San Francisco Wine School, another great online, it's not free by any means, but good programs. You can get the uh, California Wine Appalachian, you get Northwest Wine Appalachian Specialists, I found this other site that does Canadian wine certification. Mm. There's a gentleman that's doing Texas wine certification. So, so many new new things popping up all the time. And and these are a good things thing- to learn about in this format because they might not necessarily be wines that we have available in Massachusetts. So we have very, very limited opportunity to actually taste the wine. So if we, if we don't have people in the state that are selling these wines, then there aren't a lot of people around here talking about these wines. So this kind of exposure to them really is going to be the only way that we're going to learn about these things. We kind of have to take that initiative because um, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a wine from available in yeah. Massachusetts. And there's yeah. very, very limited. I mean, Canada makes a lot of wine. We don't see it in Massachusetts. We see some things from Niagara, but British Columbia has an entire industry and we don't see any of those bottles here. So it really is on us. If we want to learn about these things, we have to go out and do them ourselves. And again, that's the geeky thing. You know, our list is probably saying, what the heck do you want to know about that stuff? How do you want to know about Canadian? You know, start at the (laughs) basics. But once you learn, like for us, once we learned the basics, we just wanted to keep learning. Just like Kim was talking about the French, we learned French wines and brings your passion more towards champagne or you can keep going and going and going. And it's uh, incredible in the wine world. And they mentioned two other free resources that first off the podcast, there's so many wine podcasts. I'm hoping the wonderful of the wine is on your top of your podcast, but there's others we listen to all the time. Wine Folly, Italian Wine Central, two two of my favorite ones, Sommelier Guild. Do you have any wine podcasts that you kind of lean towards, Kim? So there's one that they mentioned here that um, there's also a book associated with it that you gave me a couple of months ago called Wine for Normal People. Um, And I believe she's Boston-based. So that's another local wine person that has some really great intro basic if you really want to start learning about wine. That's a really good one to start with as well. Yeah. and, And I have to put in a plug, Kim. Because for the third year in a row, we were nominated for a podcast award. Mm-hmm. And people can go to podcastawards.com 
com and nominate us, please. So our third year, hopefully third year's a charm and we'll we'll win something this year. So little little plug for us there, Kim. The so other, let's, oh, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say the other thing that's free to take advantage of is YouTube. Wine videos, a lot of people putting out free content out there. You can get a lot of good basic wine information on YouTube videos. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Do you want to go off I the want, I just wanted to do like a re like a recap. Yeah. So just to recap, you know, there are um, a number of sources. If you want to start your wine education journey with a class or two, we recommend the University of California at Davis course. Uh, so Google UC Davis, Coursera, anything through the Wine Folly website. We love, she has lots of videos and lots of um, really excellent content with great graphics. And if you do want to look into um, a certification, if you feel like you want to take that big step, Mark and I have done a number of things through the Wine Scholar Guild. You can start with their French, Italian, or Spanish program. And then there's also the Society of Wine Educators, which I am a member. Are you a member of Society of Wine Educators? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So both of us. Um, their intro class is difficult and it's really intense but it is very well done and is very thorough and you learn a lot about wine all over the world and then there's the wine and spirits education trust they are the uh, british one and that's also their basic basic class um, is a really good intro to wine so some things from around the world that we both have experience in and for your wine education are great places to start You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find more information about Mark at his website, franklinliquors.com. More information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. So some other international news about wine and the wine industry as it relates to to the COVID uh, pandemic, the country of South Africa instituted a ban on all alcohol at the end of March, which was completely devastating to their wine industry. South Africa over the last, say, two or three decades since the end of apartheid has really focused on building up their wine industry and um, bringing back some of their older vineyards. Uh, There's a lot of good institutional knowledge that they have. They make really lovely, interesting wines in South Africa. And this break in their production really has uh, has had devastating impacts, not only on the wine industry, but on the whole country <laughs> in general. It's just, it's, it's a massive issue going on down there. And I don't think that it is something that a lot of Americans know a lot about. Yeah, this was eye-opening to me, Kim, because with the pandemic, they did it actual lockdown with a banned transporting of alcohol in sale of, yeah. and exporting. They right. They couldn't even was, export to the rest of the world. So not only are they not allowed to sell wine within the country, but they're not allowed to export it to their standing buyers in the rest of the world. Because these, you know, when you, when you're a wine producer uh, or a wine importer exporter, and you have, you have clients all over the world that are, you know, counting on your wine to fill orders and spots on restaurant wine lists and spots in shelves and poof, those just go away. That is a terrible break in your business. Yeah. The other thing that shocked me, Kim, was in, in the United States or in Massachusetts, we, we said alcohol was essential. So we kept selling. Everybody could have access to it. And we talked reasons why we thought that was happening. 
in South Africa with no alcohol sales, they actually looked at it to save their hospital beds yes. for COVID patients. So there was like 34,000 cases a week, alcohol related. And then it went down to like 12,000 a week. So all those extra beds were saved because they weren't selling alcohol, which was completely different than what we did here in Massachusetts. Right. And I did some follow-up research. Because, so this was March 27th. They put this uh, prohibition on alcohol uh, into effect. They lifted it on June 1st. And now it's been very socially destructive to suddenly have alcohol available again. They were saying that hospital trauma rooms are, are full and all of these things are linked to alcohol consumption. I guess there, there is a major problem of overconsumption by a small percentage of the population to the, to the effect that there even are warning labels on bottles of alcohol saying don't drink and walk because there is wow. such a problem with people getting hit by cars as they're walking around on roads after drinking. So they said that the, the rates of violence due to stabbings and gunshots, so homicides and car acts have completely increased since prohibition was lifted. So yeah, it's like on the one hand, it's devastating to the industry to not have alcohol available, but then on the other side of it, socially, it, there's this alcohol <laughs> pandemic going on alongside the COVID pandemic. And I believe that South Africa is the African nation with the highest uh, rate of COVID infection. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a lot of bad stuff going on. Well, this is South a, Africa. And this is a country who has a history of paying its workers in alcohol instead of money. Right. So it makes sense that these issues would come up if right. that's so the there, whole... There's already this like built-in problem where if alcohol is being used as payment, then you know, you've already got an issue of people maybe having too much that's good for them. But it's also a bit of a, an abuse of the consumer because if they're getting alcohol in, instead of money, what do you do with it? So. I wrote down a note to myself. You had asked you a question, Kim, and all I wrote here was, what has happened to South African wine? I, I remember not too many months ago. Not too many months ago, everybody was coming in trying to sell me South African wine. It was going to come back. This is, this is where the wine world is going. It's South Africa, South Africa. And then it just went away. And now I would think it's going to be totally off the face of the map yeah. because the supply chain now is crushed. Either that or it's going to come back as really inexpensive bulk wines. And the wines they were showing me months ago were not inexpensive South African wines. And I was saying to myself, and I think I talked to you about this, what's with South, why are people, who's interested in a $25 South African red if the, it's not even popular? Right. But, well, I think, I think it's going in, in that direction. I think that there has been. I think there had been some changes to the industry on a, a federal local level uh, within the country that they were, um, you know, ripping up older vines or vines that were grape varieties that were only meant for bulk wines and they were planting better vines in better places. So I think that the, um, the industry itself was on this track of producing better quality stuff and trying to compete on the international market with, you know, really good Chardonnays and with good red blends and yeah, things that might be between 20 and $30 a bottle, which we might not say that there's a market for South African wines in that price point, but there certainly is a market for good Chardonnay at that price point, good red blends at that price point. So 
I think that they were leaning more on quality in the bottle because they were doing all of these really good things on ground level. You know, they were investing in the vineyard and in the winery. And now it, who knows what, but I, I don't think that it, we're going to be seeing bulk, cheap South African wine anytime soon, because I think they did a lot of pulling up of those grapes. Let me so, ask you this, Kim, when you, when someone asks you, Hey, Kim, Tell me about South African wines. What would you say is the first thing you think of for a grape? Then what's the best example of a grape? And what's the worst example of a South African grape <laughs> for you? For you, it's, your personal. It's the same grape answering all of those questions. <laughs> really? For best and worst? So, um, so the grape that Mark is talking about is called Pinotage, and it's only grown in South Africa. It is a, um, it's a hybrid grape. It's got Pinot Noir as one of its parents, and I believe Sanso is the other parent. I could be mistaken there. In, yep. in really good examples of Pinotage, it tastes like just a really beautiful, somewhat Syrah-like um, red wine. But in poor examples, it tastes like someone just paved their driveway. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it smells and tastes like to me. I have had some excellent examples of Pinotage, which uh, my, my colleagues at Legal Seafoods know that I don't like this grape variety. So they've made, uh, made themselves a little bit of a mission of finding really delicious bottles of Pinotage and leaving them on my desk at work, which yeah. is fun. And I'm glad that my colleagues are doing that for me. So there were a couple uh, that we had had on uh, one list over the last couple of years that, you know, I would, <laughs> I would show up to work and there'd be a bottle of Pinotage on my desk. And they're like, you have to try this. I'm like, okay. So they so, have started to win me over with some Pinotage. So you, you, someone says to you, okay, and then you tell them Pinotage, is there a bot, you know, look for this because it's, it's better from South Africa. Um, Do you have any of those go-to? It has to be a little bit more expensive um, for Pinotage. Some of the blends though, I think if you're looking for a quality red, I would look for a red blend. Maybe it has a little bit of Pinotage in there, Merlot, Cabernet blends, Syrah, some really, really good Pinot Noir from South Africa, not cheap Pinot Noir. Um, you know, sorry, inexpensive. $20, $30 a bottle. Hamilton Russell is the, the number one one that comes to mind for me for their... Um, their Pinot Noirs and their Chardonnay, but I prefer their Pinot Noir. So there are some really good producers. Um, the white grape that they do a lot with is Chenin Blanc, and I am a sucker for Chenin Blanc. So I would drink any Chenin Blanc from South Africa, even if it's $6 a bottle, just everyday quaffing wine. Um, if I see an inexpensive Chenin from South Africa, I'm buying it because I really like it. And I think for value, still we still can see them if we can find them, but they're a little bit harder to find these days. 15 That's years ago, they were for. all over the place. Yeah. That's what I've been waiting for. Yeah, I, I want more of those. You would say more Chenin Blanc. Everybody forgets the whites, I feel, from South Africa. I think Chenin Blanc, I think Sauvignon Blancs from South Africa are, are just, there's some beautiful examples mm -hmm. that very, very little money. They make some nice fortified wines as well. But like you said, it's all, you know, people, we always say Pinotage. There's some good stuff, but it's just yeah, not common. I stick to the common. whites, honestly, if we can find more. So, yeah. you know, I think that, that people are receptive to them, but, um, you know, we maybe need to break away from saying, oh, this is the South African category and be like, hey, this is the crisp white, white category and, and have this, you know, delicious 9.99 bottle of Chenin Blanc that will blow your socks off. Yeah, see, I don't put them by country. I put them right. by variety. You do them by variety. Yeah. So. Now, how do you have a Pinotage on the list that 
legal? Any South African um, list? Yes, we do, but I can't think of them right now. Is it a pinotage though? Yes. What what yeah. seafood would you go with that? Or is that on um, there for the pul- poultry or something? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, I mean, we have a little bit of everything on the list. So there are heavier dishes, but I think pinotage actually would go really nicely with something that has like black pepper spice on it or is grilled. So like black pepper yeah. spice grilled tuna. Um, Barbecue, I've been anything. drinking heavy reds with those and they're, they're wonderful. There were a couple of wine dinners where we did heavy reds with tuna steaks and it was really eye-opening for me because I've always, not always been a white wine with fish, but I, I, I do tend to lean that way. And if I do reds, I tend to do lighter reds, but, um, you know, definitely with those meatier, uh, darker fish, you, you absolutely can pair a big red with them and with some, especially with something with some spice, uh, they really can be, can be totally stunning. Yeah. Barbecues, what sticks out for me. I know mm-hmm. a few years ago, there was a brand that was marketing punitage specifically for a barbecue wine. So yeah. Yeah. There no, are, wonder- um, there's a Chardonnay and a, I think it is a Cabernet um, that we regularly have on our list that are both from South Africa that are wine by the glass, um, you know, everyday drinking things that are, the red's a little bit smoky. Um, the wine is a Chardonnay that's not super duper oaky and they're just, you know, fantastic seafood pairing wines. It's an often forgotten wine region, I feel. It's, you know, you don't see too many retail placements of it. You don't see too many restaurant placements of it. I was excited a few months back because the South African government was offering an online South African course and there was really nothing to it. There's there's this a little bit of history, but there's not much, you know, wine to learn from South Africa, which made it good for our past exams, right? Because there was maybe one South African. (laughs) Like a page to read. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but. And it was probably what, you know, was pinotage, which you hit the two, the two grapes. So I I had a stupid question to ask you, Kim. Surprise from me, right? They're not. No stupid wine question. South Africa is not EU, a member of the EU, right? Okay. So I was thinking they got some money somewhere to push it for a while. So it must have been their own government, I think, that was backing, putting it out there again. Because I mean, unless, unless there were trade organizations from other countries that were helping support, which is always a possibility. I mean, there's a lot of cooperation, I feel now, like, between, between countries. If it's, one, if it's privately funded, why not? At one time, way back in history, weren't they shipping a lot of bulk wine to Italy or Spain? I think it was Italy, wasn't it, that they... Years and years ago, they used to ship to other countries to blend. You're thinking North Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew it was but Africa. I think I... it was, but South Africa, um, when, when there were um, Europeans colonizing the country, they were Dutch. So there was a lot of wine being shipped back up to the low countries because that was their market. So it wasn't necessarily for uh, the locals, but it was for um, being exported back to Europe. So there was a lot of that back and forth. So yeah, be- yeah, a lot of Dutch history there. Yeah. Well, it's good. We caught up on South Africa. Hope right. I listen. So there's South Africa. Seek it um, out. We will continue to follow what is going on both in their wine industry and socially with COVID and with their relationship to alcohol and an ongoing. I think I close up.
Thank you for listening to the wonderful world of wine. We have been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. You can find past episodes on SoundCloud and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We always love to hear your questions and comments. So please leave them on there and we will join you again next year. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.